0: Wargaming Recon is proudly sponsored by the Maine Historical Wargamers Association. They put on the Huzzah Convention. Huzzah is happening at the Double Tree in Portland, Maine from May 19th to the 21st, 2023. Come play wargames featuring epic historical battles, have fun at a sci fi and fantasy game, or dig into some board games at Huzzah. Visit MHWA.info for more information welcome to war gaming recon i'm your host jonathan j reinhardt today we have yet another really cool episode for you and that's because we have a guest on who we've had before heard you all say that you love the episode and many of you wrote in contacted me in a variety of ways to say that you loved what they had to say you really appreciated them and you wanted them back so i listened And they are here yet again. I'm referring to the one and only Mr. Peter Saloom. He helped to found a gaming community at Redemption Rock Brewing in Worcester, Massachusetts. And they're actually having a very cool uh, all-day gaming convention coming up. We'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the episode, I'm sure. Uh, But the reason why he's coming on today is because he writes and he has published uh, adventures for role-playing games, in particular for the Savage World system. So we're going to dive on into that. And I hope you all... Join me in welcoming
1: Peter. Pete, how are you today? Hey, thank you for having me back.
0: I am so excited for you to be here. I've been looking forward to this ever since we finished recording the previous episode.
1: Good. I'm happy to be here. I love an excuse to talk about stuff that I'm passionate about that almost nobody in my actual day-to-day life care.
0: (laughs) Hey, that's like my world. (laughs) Yeah. What?
1: We don't, not this again. (laughs)
0: yeah it's good so uh for those who may not have heard it and they should have so i don't know why they didn't but you were here with us before for episode 290 we talked about growing a gaming community and that was very well received uh and you were fantastic at it i hope people have told you that because they've told me
1: great yeah all the fame is going to my head um, well of course you know, it's tough to be this talented and charm but well
0: you know you were the star. <laughs> <We'll> carry on <laughs> people wrote it and they're like well jonathan as usual you were as good as wallpaper but man that heat <laughs> i mean they didn't call me wallpaper they should have but <laughs> they really did say wonderful things about you they uh, honestly 100 percent, did
1: hey and, i think uh, that was you know an important topic you know all, all kidding aside it's an important topic and as i'm thinking about you know conventions for the fall and coming out of this and stuff like that i'm thinking more about you know those people that i see in those communities and how cool so I, yeah i think it deserves to be a popular topic i'm not the only person who thinks that gaming a great
0: i mean i hope not uh i agree with you though that uh especially since we're officially past pandemic but its effects i think are still hitting us and i'm sure everyone hates hearing about yes. pandemic. but like pandemic was a big thing <laughs> so and it yeah. impacted many things about all of us but like i for one uh Am I'm really excited about this return to impressing events and going to conventions yes. and things and i know i'm a interesting situation because i'm asthmatic and immune compromised so i yeah. really just kind of locked down and other people didn't have to but for me being able to kind of get to stuff and i know you and i are going to be at a convention at uh, the same convention actually later uh, this year, that I'm really excited about. Um, awesome. But I've just, there's something about you going, going to these things, whether it's a game day or a convention or a one day event or whatever, or a game night, that you have this community or dare I say family that you have this same thing in common and you go there and it just clicks. And it's a great space for everyone. It's a safe space. You get along, you do your thing. And it could be a part of you that can't exist anywhere else in your life, maybe because people don't understand it or they don't get it or whatever it is, but it just kind of allows you to express yourself and it's a wonderful thing. And to not have been able to do that as much or in the same way for so many years because of COVID uh, it's hard on people. And so I'm glad we can kind of start to ease back in, which is also kind of something that you do with Savage Worlds, right?
1: Yeah. I mean um, in my uh, experience with Savage Worlds, and I guess we can get into what all that is in a minute you know um, i have used savage worlds to uh, create community i guess not that wasn't my original intent my intent was to play a game that i thought was fun but you know through the pandemic all my gaming was online and so I got to meet people all over the country that I otherwise would never have met or played with, got to uh, interact with them online. And then now getting back into the in-person stuff, which has been well over, well, probably two, it's probably been two years from been back at conventions at this point. Um, you know, I'm kind of uh, evangelizing the Savage World system in, in New England anyway, because it's not a very prevalent game that I'm not sure exactly what. So I kind of take up that mantle and try to, spread the gospel
0: for those who don't know including myself why don't you briefly describe what savage worlds is
1: sure um so it is a a a tabletop rpg game so it falls into the ilk of the dungeons and dragons and pathfinders and things like that that i think probably almost all of your listeners have heard of or are involved or something from time to time. It is a role-playing game played with pencil and paper and dice. Uh, what is unique about it is it is, uh, I guess they would call it a generic role-playing rule system, although generic always sounds sort of like a negative to me. Um, mm-hmm. What they mean is it is not setting specific... Uh, like Dungeons and Dragons, which uh, and I know someone roast me in the comments about <laughs> this, but but um, you know Dungeons and Dragons falls into a very specific type of theme for me—a fantasy theme—and it never goes to anything else. Uh, for example, science fiction or modern day, or World War II, or something totally fantastic. Um, so in Savage Worlds, you know, I think for me as a creative person, I can kind of wrap my head around one single rule system, but accomplish a lot of the different types of games that I want to do that really have nothing to do. Um, I should mention it's published by Pinnacle Entertainment. Um, I am not employed by them or paid by them for anything. Uh, the guy who wrote the system's name is Shane Hensley. He's the original author. I believe the game's about 20 years old. I th- oh, yeah. No, it is 20 years old this year. Yeah, because um, so, didn't it win yep.
0: an awarded Origins or something like that?
1: uh like the first year it came out yes yeah uh it has not won tons of awards but i I don't tie that to the actual quality of of the game but i think it did win a a, some award as soon as it came out sorry about the background our children screaming upstairs i love that and (laughs) (laughs) um and uh yeah so he he published it about 20 years ago um the real focus that it emphasizes on is uh they, they call it fast furious is the hmm. kind of the what would you call that, the tagline, you know, for yeah, the yeah. game. And so it focuses less on crunchy, you know, table driven, very detailed rules and accuracy. It's at least in my opinion, and the way I play it. It is more about being narrative, uh, creative, uh, lots of role play at the table and interaction between characters, the environment they find themselves in, the problem they find themselves in, and sort of um, playing into that vibe rather than the really nitty gritty uh, details of how many rounds do you have left in the chamber and how long does it take to reload you know that type of
0: so you would say it's more like a theater of the mind sort of game instead of a here's our minis on the table and we moved five squares because in each square is five feet and we did this and do you have line of sight to that and you need a four plus to cast this in order to do such and such
1: so i would say um it can do both well so i've run i've run games on a battle grid where we did measure distances where we've got the terrain and, and the miniatures and for if, if that is the game that you or your table wants it, it can go that way and we've done that and we've had a good stuff uh, that we've developed that way um, and I know a lot of people mm-hmm. um, if you want to go more theater of the mind I've also run games online with no virtual tabletop no virtual dice rolling no miniatures whatsoever no maps maybe a few kind of inspiration pictures that i've grabbed here and there just sort of for reference and we've had great sessions that way too where um nobody is measuring you know from point a to point b on things but we we are kind of leaving those determinations to the game master myself and then you know folks are rolling dice on their own at their desk or wherever they are at home
0: okay and you mentioned that it's setting agnostic i guess you could say but aside yeah. from that what in particular about the system really drew you to it or like in other words why savage worlds as opposed to another system that is also setting
1: agnostic i can tell you the first reason that i picked up savage Worlds, and it's it's kind of sad but i was getting in, back into tabletop Uh, Well, like kind of all gaming in general uh, a number of years ago, and I heard that Savage Worlds was a cool role playing game and I didn't know much about it, but the core rule book was like ten dollars versus you know core rule books that are 50 and 60 and 75 dollars and things like that so i said well then that's the game i'll play because it's 10 dollars i know know that's not a ringing endorsement for the game but but beyond that it's it's a really high quality game the core rule book is no longer um but um (laughs) but you know hey life life goes on things have changed um but then once i read it i could get my. Head around the rules very easy. They made sense. They were common sense. They didn't overload you minutia that, in my opinion, you didn't need. And the big thing for me was, I immediately knew like I can be very creative. Um, I can take this kind of simple. Here's the. Actually, I have. This is the most recent core rule book here. It's oh not my. even very long. I don't know how many pages. It looks probably like that
0: it looks really.
1: It's two hundred. Yeah, it's two hundred. Um, but there's tons of pictures in here too. so it's pro- it's probably like 180 actual copy thing like that. And I was able to read it you know in a day or two, get my head around it and I've you know I've re- reread it about. Um, I knew right away like, oh, I can make adventures and my friends will have fun with this and people who don't know, or are not like super comfortable in the TTRPG space will not be afraid to play this game because there's not going to be this pressure to be like really, really smart and tactical, you know, game those, uh, if, if they don't want to, you know, have that type. Of
0: game. Hey, I think that's great. And actually I was just looking up on drive through RPG cause you can buy a PDF of it. The PDF is normally $10 as of the time of us recording July 27th, 2023. It's on sale for seven forty nine I So, I mean, it's not hey. physical, but, easier to carry around and in the past you and i have talked about the importance of accessibility and ease of access for people and i know that's a continues to be a strong concern for all types of gaming and especially now with you know prices going through the roof and inflation everything uh for a game to be normally ten dollars or 749 american for a pdf of it i I think or you buying game for 10 back then i think that's a real smart thing for them to do that just makes it easier for someone to say well if these both look you know similar ish of interest for me and one is 10 and one is 40 unless you're Kanye West you're not going to pick the 40 probably um and you'll get the <laughs> 10 yeah you
1: would and, work. and i i would say yeah at 749 i think that that fits many many people's budgets but i would also say that at zero dollars and i'm not saying this because i think you should give pinnacle your money good the company they do good stuff and they have good value but um at zero dollars you can find somebody at a local convention it does not necessarily me but maybe me you know somebody that is running these games and you don't have to have anything to show up you don't have to have dice you don't have to have a pencil you don't have to have a rule book nothing they're gonna take you through it from start to finish they're gonna give you a character sheet They give you lend you their dice they're gonna tell you about the unique things about Savage World system that are different than other TTRP's, and you're going to have a good time. So um, I would recommend doing that first because I think, you know, you can read the whole rulebook yourself as a player thinking about a game you want. And about, I don't know, a good 40% of that rulebook isn't going to apply to you. stuff designed for the game master you know, to be used. Um, and then the other parts about character creation and stuff if you're gonna sit down and play, they might apply to you, but at most conventions you're not gonna make characters, right? So it really only comes down to maybe like twenty five percent of that book for the player really and I think of that as a good thing. I, I think a game where people could show up and say, I've never played Savage Worlds before, I don't know anything about it, you can say, Yes, you're gonna have a good time, that's fine. We'll get I think that's a strong um, endorsement of a rule system. It's it's not cumbersome. No, I, I like should that. point out, yeah, most of the convention games that I run. Savage Worlds games. Uh, the vast majority of people that sit down at my table usually uh, around five people per game session. Usually three or four of them have never played Savage Worlds. That's oh. that's average for me. Usually there's like one person who says uh, who says yes, I played with you last time, you know, or something like that. Or there's somebody who says yeah, I've I've been playing Savage Worlds for what it is and I enjoy it. That's but they're the strong minority uh, in our area. It's it's got a kind of a regional popularity like out west like the southwest and like the mountain states it's much more popular and i believe that's because that's where shane is from and that's where the company is headquartered so he's probably just had 20 more years of driving around out there and sharing <laughs> the game that he has uh you know i don't know if he's ever been you know, up, to, up to new england
0: no that's that's really interesting uh but i i like that i like that you can you have most of the people who play for, at least for you anyway they come in they don't have any prior experience with it, and then they can still just yep. pick it up really quickly and have a yep. good time.
1: Yeah, and it's another reason to keep the things kind of action-heavy, tension-heavy, role-play-heavy, and rules-light. Because I've never had anybody give me feedback after a game session that they felt like they needed rules. Hmm. You know, that's that's not something I've ever received. I'm sure there's people out there that might feel that way. But, you know, you definitely don't want to get feedback that's like, I wasn't, you know, excited by this, interested by this, uh, entertained by this. You know, tough. So I, that, that's the way I lean, especially for convention games where you've just got this one window of time where you're going to meet these people, get them set up, teach them what they need to know, and be done, and they're off.
0: No, I think that's really smart. Many, many, many years ago, uh, we did some episodes here on like things to do and things to not do for running successful or not successful games at conventions and like how to be a good GM and how to be a good yes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But one of the things I remember us talking about was that you want to make sure that with whatever type of game you're running uh, and no matter what style or setting or whatever RPG minis or anything you want there to always be something for someone to do. You don't want people to just be sitting there and get bored. And you also want it to be something where you don't need a, spend an hour explaining everything to them because people get bored and they tune out.
1: That is uh, yeah. And I should probably go back and find out wherever those recordings are and listen, because that's my constant uh, worry and pursuit, you know, in, in my gaming life is I go to lots of conventions and I'm always trying to figure out like, how do I make this a little bit better than last time? And like, after every session, I always meet up with one of my other GM friends who I attend all of these things with. His name's Jake. He's a real pain in the um and uh yeah i just to horrible <laughs> um but i i meet up with them you know after everyone and we're always kind of like reviewing the tape you like what went wrong with yours what went wrong with mine oh well i forgot this whole thing that i was supposed to do and i had to go back and retcon and explain it or oh i had this guy at my table that was so unhappy the whole time or yeah or or hey it went great or and we're always trying to like figure it out and so yeah i guess i'll have to go dig dig those out of your archives and the thing you mentioned about having something for somebody to do i think that's i mean it falls on the players a lot like uh, you know having a creative mind your role-playing of, of a character in a role-playing game um is i mean some of that impetus is on the person sitting there with the character sheet um in other games like miniatures and wargaming and stuff i i I think it does fall more on the person organizing the game. It, it seems it would be a major failing if you had four players in some kind of miniatures war game and one person's action or role or whatever it is just did not apply to the scenario. I know I would be bummed. You know, Yeah, that's bad. If I, if I controlled all the land units in a naval battle scenario or something <laughs>
0: like that. You no, know? I know what you mean. I've been both someone running a game and playing in the game where that's happened and it's been so so bad (laughs) and once was more than enough you know
1: savage worlds has mechanics that help to prevent that because they understand that certain scenarios and certain adventures lean towards certain character archetypes right so Mm -hmm. like a, a a classic you know dungeon crawl a la d d you know, caters to specific archetypes that are going to be in there, right? Like if all you're doing is smashing goblins with an axe, then the guy with the axe has something to do and the guy who's carrying a harp with him does not have much to do, right? Yep. So, um in Savage Worlds they have mechanics called support and test which hmm. allow characters that may not be well suited to the thing that is happening at the time to be creative with how they're supporting the people who are good. Um, So an example of that uh, might be And I have to come up with this off the top of my head that there is a particularly good character with uh, firearms in a science fiction savage world setting, and he is engaged in some gunfight with 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 enemies, and is uh, you know actually doing what his character is suited to do in scenario. But the other more bookish um, you know tech guy doesn't even have a gun, doesn't even have the shooting skill. It's just going to get in the way. So he's able to do things like support um the the person who's firing by say for example saying to the GM when it's his turn I'm actually gonna be accessing the uh, the computer interface in a area of this space station and the reason I'm doing that is to be able to highlight the uh, the enemy movement um and better better support the gunner with knowing where the enemies are coming and if I he's like successful that. if he's successful with those those roles he would have to make do that then then that person who's doing the shooting gets their roles buffed by by some percentage based on whatever happened so there's there's ways for people who are not maybe the the spotlight is not right on them in that moment to still be supportive and contribute or alter uh, I always have everybody at my table doing. if somebody isn't doing something I immediately me personally I'm getting anxious. That they're, that, that they're not doing anything. So I'm actually usually zoning sort of my focus in towards them and saying, so what's going on here with you? And if I have to, depending on how comfortable I think the player is with the game or with being outspoken at a table with other people, mm-hmm. sometimes I will do some coaching. Like, for example, you x one
0: Okay. Like I like that. Uh, this might be an odd question and it's one that really doesn't apply to anyone except for myself, but this is my show, so why the heck not? Um, yeah, so I'm someone. It's, this is really weird, and many men. I have a lot of friends who are game designers and who do either run RPGs or play in them. Or uh, I've got a buddy who's an INGM and like all this sort of stuff, and they're always saying, "You know, come sign up for our games. Come play. We want you to play in our games." Oh like, yeah. Uh, and the I realized recently the real reason why I kind of go yeah I don't know is is because RPGs intimidate and scare me and yep. the reason they do is i am such an introvert and i am so afraid of making a fool of myself i guess although i do that every time uh, i do a podcast episode so people are used to it i suppose but in person at a convention i'm, I'm trying to be like you know let's have a fun thing and be serious and i'm working with so when i'm if i were to play in something i i know that i can't do the voices i can't do the acting and just i'm going to be terrible at it so rather than expose myself and then put all that awfulness on everyone else. I just, I don't play. Uh, with Savage Worlds, how well does it handle that sort of thing?
1: Very well. The, the system handles it fine. I don't know how you would handle it. This is a you issue. No, it isn't and not, issue. I am not a licensed therapist in the state of Massachusetts, <laughs> but were I, I would say get over it because uh, I actually hear this all the time, and I'll admit, I uh, was the exact same way, and I still am almost the exact same way not with tabletop rpgs because i feel like that's maybe more of my comfort zone but Mm -hmm. with uh those big complicated miniature war games uh that are like highly elaborate and things like that i am like that i'm like that looks really cool i want to play that but those three guys look like they've been playing it for 20 years and i'm gonna go over there and be just awful and 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 i'm more like i don't care that i'm awful but i I would kind of care if like they had to have like a crummy afternoon because i was uh, that, that's, that's all that's all it's crap uh sorry i mean you <laughs> just you have to get over it um every time that i've thought that i'm the type of person where when i when i'm doing something like that i know it's wrong and so i force myself to do the thing i don't do to get mm-hmm. over it um and every time i've done that in the gaming convention world it never once has not for me and i don't think for others around me it's always like what is this game? I don't know anything about it. And the person running it is usually so passionate about what they're running. Think about what they've done already. Yep. They spent a year painting their little guys and coming up with the rules and making their terrain. And then they paid all this money to stay in a hotel and go to this place and carry all this stuff. and unpack. These guys are bonkers for this game. And, you know, if you say, I don't know anything about it and I'm interested in it, they're going to do everything they can to make sure you learn it and you like it by the time you're done, right? Because that's their their baby. Mm-hmm. And they want to they want to share it with the world. So um, I have friends currently that are like kind of just getting into the convention thing. And they're they're like, yeah, I don't. Th- I want to play that board game, but I think I'm just going to be the worst. So I'm not going to. And I, I tell them the same thing. I'm like, just go be the worst at it. Just go sit down and be the worst at it. It's fine. It's a game. It, if they you know, really get that mad at you, <laughs> you, you know, then just get up and leave and go do something else. But it's not going to happen.
0: You know, it's funny because all the stuff you're saying. When I'm on the other side of the table and I'm the one running or helping to run an event, that's exactly like I I do like the Robin Williams thing, right? Where I I turn it on. So like I'm on and I'm engaged and I do everything possible to make sure everyone else is having fun, no matter how much or how little experience they have and -hmm. just try to make it as best as possible. And I want everyone to feel that they can come and play. But then when I'm on the up. Other side, I'm like, well, I'm terrible, and I don't want to ruin it for everyone else. <laughs> it's, nah. it's it's just like it's that weird toggle switch, I guess, in your head. And I presume I, other I, people have it, but uh, just like you, I like to use me as an example, as much everybody as has it
1: to some degree. Uh, okay, there might be some people who don't have it at all. But everybody has it to some degree. Um, you know, I I would strongly urge you to play a Savage Worlds game, uh, whether it's with me or somebody else. Um, you should do that because I think. What you'll find is, you know, the things you said you're worried about, not being an actor, be an actor, what's there as an actor either? Not being able to do the voices, not to do anything is not required at all. You can talk about your character in third the entire time. if You want. You know, um, all of those things are just unrealistic things about, and um, they're also the things that like everybody. I actually like when it's new players who are worried and don't know the system because I have a chance to create a fan of the game. If I have everybody who's just played it for 15 years and they're experts at it and thinking about it, I'm not doing anything for it. I'm facilitating the game, but they're already Savage Worlds fans. They already know what they're doing. They're probably running games on their own. I'm not, I'm not converting more people to my cause. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: so, so what I'm hearing is one that when you and I are at the same convention later this year, I need to sign up for one of your games and play. And two, if there's anyone yep. else listening to this podcast or hears about it and feels even remotely the way that I do, they if they can, they need to find the coverage, courage and be brave to just try to put themselves out there and hope and trust that there'll be someone like you who is going to nurture and help them along and help them to get through this and realize that they too can have a fun time and they're not going to ruin it for other people.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways to get involved. I mean, maybe you have a friend who already plays, they're more comfortable or it's their gaming group or something. And they're bringing in, I, I get the social anxiety of stuff like that. I, everybody has to deal with it the way, you know, they are able to deal with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I would say if you've already talking about gaming conventions, because that's sort of the world I live in, if you've already like bought a badge and traveled to a place like it's it's a real shame. If you then don't take that next step and play some games, you know, no, it I mean, is that, that really would be a bad weekend to recap. I think on, like that you got all the way, you know, you know, five feet from the finish line and fell over. Kind of. <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of you signing up for my games, I, I just pulled up tabletop events. So Friday, uh, Friday at one, and Friday at seven, I have plenty of available, Jonathan. So no excuse to play. It's, like
0: it's, I'm gonna have to. We've been alluding to it, in in I don't know 10, 15 minutes, we'll we'll actually talk about the convention. I'm sure, but I'll actually I I, I have to actually look and see what's in there because I haven't looked at all. I, I I'm going. They want me to come as. Like they they want me to be a comment as a guest and cover the convention and do all the whole podcast. You're gonna be
1: like a like a fancy celebrity
0: Yeah yeah, I'm none of those things. I'll be there walking around awkwardly and taking pictures and video and then talking about (laughs) that. I mean that's usually my uh, MO. Uh, that's pretty much what I yeah. I mean (laughs) it's it's nice to just go and depending on the convention, I'll have people with me, which feels weird, but like people who come because of the show and uh I (laughs) It was actually funny this is are little... you
1: talking you're talking about your entourage right yeah, well yeah <laughs> i feel so terrible saying that
0: yeah uh but uh at the most recent TotalCon, it was really funny I was doing live shows and so a member of my team uh who's amazing his name's robert he writes the show notes and does all the stuff and he's absolutely fantastic this is his first time coming uh but a, a buddy of mine was coming from outer state just to come visit for a bit and he's an industry guest uh but robert didn't know who he was and so My buddy was there with his wife, and they're trying to find me. But I had stepped away for something; I had to go do something. And Robert's like gatekeeping, and they want to know where I am and what I'm doing, trying to find me because they want. And he didn't want to give the information. And so my buddy's like, "Well, yeah, what room is?" I get. get And and he's not saying probably because Robert and I was sharing the room, but also he was like, "I don't know who they were. I didn't want them to come find you."
1: (laughs) It's just. I would. I would. I would probably do that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just but like, that's awesome. it's, it's tough being as famous.
0: Well, I mean, you, not me. I'm, I'm nobody. I'm just, some. I've said for, I kid you know, I said for years and I firmly believe it. I'm just someone who's talking into a microphone, hoping people listen and <laughs> that's what I do. Uh, but you know? it's, it, see, like you're out there, you're doing all these games and not only are you doing these games. Right. But then you'd go and doing the next step which I think is really incredible. So a lot of people, they have an idea, right? They think, wouldn't it be nice if, whatever. So you then take that and you go, wouldn't it be nice if, and then you go and you write your own darn adventures. Not just one, like for fun, you don't just scribble a couple of things. You write a whole adventure, not not just one, you've actually been published. Mm -hmm. So why don't we talk about what your writing process is like? Because I am fascinated by writers and what their process is like, because every single one is different.
1: Yeah, and depending on what you're writing, it's kind of different too. So I got interested in writing when I was a kid, just because I read a lot. I thought oh, I can. Um, and writing adventures is not like writing prose, or uh, poetry, or whatever else, you know, music.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it's it's a specific thing, and it has specific sort of constraints uh, that you have to fall into. But it also has lots of creativity, and it and it also has this element of being. Uh, wildly out of your control even because you you write your adventure and then you sit down with five people at a table and they are in control of the cast of characters not you so every iteration of what you wrote is different and i enjoy that because i've run certain adventures i've written i've run five and ten times you know conventions different over the years and never once is a uh, four-hour session the same as before. So that's that's what attracts me to it. As far And, and it's just fun sitting around the table laughing and funny stuff. Um, as far as the process goes, I, I guess the part I can't explain is you have to get an idea, for one. I, I don't really know how to, like, there's not a specific thing I do to get an idea. Uh, something will strike me and I'll say, hey, this premise would be an interesting thing to hash out at the game table. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like a movie I'm watching and there's like a particular set of circumstances. Sometimes I'm just, I spend a lot of time driving uh, at work. I just think of something while I'm driving. So that part, I mean, I guess I would say you just have to sort of have an imagination and think of, you know, something that you want to get started with. The great thing about Savage Worlds is it doesn't have to fall into any category. It could be about, uh a group of neighborhood kids who find a supernatural relic while they're at the playground after school and chaos ensues. Or it could be about high fantasy and dragon's myth or set in the stars. So you've got a wide option for what you want to write. And then if I think that it actually can be, like if I think it actually can be a enjoyable four-hour adventure, which is usually the time I am thinking about, when I'm thinking about pacing, okay. I'll start with, uh, I'm actually, I have a uh, outline of one I'm working on now in front of me. And I'll just start with like a bulleted list of like things that I want to happen in the adventure or things that I think are cool that will be, and it's in no order, no priority. It's a mess, but it's just like, I just start writing stuff down. Like, this is going to be set on an Island off the coast of Maine. It should have a werewolf, uh, you know, uh, you know, just <laughs> what whatever, you know, just keep, and, and, and I get through it. And that's the first step. And then if I read all that and I don't like it, I stop. But if I do like it, I I go on and I start to add – Clarity and connection. To those ideas, and a bunch of the ideas just get axed off the. List because you always put too many ideas, you can't accomplish reason in a four-hour time slot. Yeah. Um. So, so a bunch of them get axed, and then the other ones get interconnected, and it's you know, it's like, well, it's on an island in Maine, but there's a werewolf because it's an island, and he was stranded there. Yeah. You, know, you start like drawing these lines together. This is not what the adventure is about. Don't. Are you is, sure? I'm because just I mean, up. werewolf in Maine. So you got me there. I'll, I'll write it if you play it. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so I do that. And then after that, I use either typical, like, I don't know if you've heard maybe in writing classes or anywhere about act structure, three act structures, five act structure, things like that. I'll I'll use those and outline, um, uh, basically the whole adventure there. And I, I do them as as scenes or acts or whatever you want to call them. And that's the way that I keep them in my head when I'm running is like, I've kind of got so long this session to get through act one. If we're not through act one by an hour in, I need to do something to change my pacing, to make sure people are kind of getting the the opportunity to complete the, the adventure if their characters so choose. Uh, so that's the way I look at that. I play with a... You know, I watch the clock as I run these games and conventions um, because pacing is an important thing, and it's a very hard thing. I've noticed it's one of the th- I probably struggle with the most, and other GMs, I think, especially the ones who don't pay attention to it, it mm. really run, runs totally out of control. Um, and so, pacing is really important, and the writing aspect helps you know the pacing. If they are, if they are at this point at 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 hour one, you can continue into to act two. If they're not, you need to do something creative and get them to act three, you know, um, that type of thing. So there's all this uh, improvisation stuff, almost like a performance kind of, I don't know. That makes it sound too important. It's, it's not, but, no, but I know it's what you almost mean. like you, you write the structure and I write the structure in a way that if I could hand it to somebody else who was not me, they could run the issue. That's that's what I want to do because I'm interested in getting things ready for publication and I work with other publishers. I do editing for other guys so and that's how they write. And it's mm-hmm. just sort of how I think. Um, so that's the way I create it. But then I do know that when I sit down at the table and actually start playing, a lot of what I think is going to happen could turn out totally. And you have to have your, these kind of in the back here. What if you think everyone's going to go right and they all go that, that type? Could we
0: back up just a moment? And This is maybe a little technical, but when you were talking about uh, the first kind of steps that you take of having ideas and you just kind of, drop them down and everything. Do you use any sort of special software or do you like physically do it in a notebook or like, uh, do you do bullet pan- points? Do you have a whiteboard and just kind of write phrases down or words or, or like, how do you make that manifest in a physical way?
1: I, um, I do different things at different stages. So if I'm, when I'm writing it before it's ever been played or play tested. So mm-hmm. before it's ever been exposed to anybody, I'm just in Google docs, you know, oh, okay. making like a bulleted list. And then, writing as much, you know, adding as much to that as I think is appropriate. Um, when Once I have it to the point where I know that I can play test it with a group, meaning I think I can run an adventure, there's probably a problem in it somewhere that I'm not thinking of, but it'll get exposed when I play mm-hmm. with a good group of, you know, people who are paying attention. At that point, then I'm at the table taking notes and I'm taking notes. I use my um, Remarkable tablet, which is like a digital pad of paper but you, yeah, you, no, use, a, you use a pad of paper i mean you know use whatever you want um and i write notes about they'll say things like my notes at the end will say like act two nobody cared about the clue i gave them. nobody interacted why you know things like that or everybody focused on this thing and it's not important take it out to distract them. um you know th- those would be like my feedback type of things and obviously those are my own notes but after play testing i ask people that played that if they want to give feedback I would appreciate and there's always feedback from that not everybody so you know some people are just so polite or they just had a good time and they're like everything's fine you know? <laughs> um but I uh, there's always some good feedback from that and I, I I try to make sure I'm never like too proud of a writer that I don't take some feedback and incorporate it because it almost all better mm-hmm. um and so that's important there and um so that's usually me using my remarkable tablet and I I Then kind of go back to my Word document and make changes or my Google Docs. Um, Other than that, I mean, when I get to actual play, like when I think like I'm going to go to the convention and run this, I will still take notes on my tablet. But I still think there's room for improvement and changes, you know, kind of all the time. These these adventures, in my opinion, are sort of living documents. Yeah, they can change from year to year. I can change stuff. Do you bring your
0: tablet with you to the convention?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I do as a player it's great because I can put my character sheet onto my tablet and then I can write all oh. over it and uh, you know, stuff like that.
0: Okay. And then this is probably jumping ahead a little bit, but again, my show. So whatever. Um, when you're, when you're actually at the point where you want to get this published, uh, yeah. how do you then get that into whatever format it needs to be published in? Is there a special software that you use or like, how do you then take the thing and send it to a potential publisher so that they can publish it. And I would imagine each publisher probably has their own criteria on how it works. But it just like for you generally, how has it been?
1: So for me, how it has been is I have only published stuff that other publishers have asked. Right? So it's worked backwards from what I'm describing. It, okay. it, it, has, it hasn't worked with me coming up with an idea and bringing it through to publication. Although I plan to do that, I want to do that under my kind of my own thing. I don't really want to do that under um, another company i mean unless you know arrangement yeah like but the money's w- good that it makes yeah we can almost guarantee ourselves the money will not be
0: <laughs> no that's <laughs> in, in although this. i i get a snake i know of a publisher that pays amazingly well per word for writing uh but generally you're right yeah it probably won't that be that good
1: well send them my way please um but i have a a a great Again, internet friend who I have never met named Calvin Thompson, uh, a publishing company called Twitcher Butchers, Twitchy Butcher Studios. And he publishes Savage Worlds uh, games. Um, he publishes his own settings that he writes. One of them um, is called Gods and Masters, which is really great. And another is called, his most recent one is Stingers and Spores, which is a really unique setting that's all about insects and um uh, just being able to role play as all these various insects in different, uh, settings, which is really cool. And he, uh, hired me to write an adventure for that one. When he was launching, I think he can't remember if he kickstarted that one or launched it on his, I don't know. It was a while ago. Um, and I wrote an adventure for him on that one. And it was based on, he gave me like a sort of a, a rough prompt of, I forget exactly what it was, but you know, could you write this one about the, Things happening, this type of setting, this type of is that stuff Pirates going on. of the Still Sea? It is, it is, and so that's an example of you. Uh, that's an example of like what working writers do. I'm not a worker. Um, they yeah. just write what they write. What the person you know asked them to write and said they're going to pay them to write. So. Uh, that's what I did. I had a lot of fun with that. The other thing is I'm just a super fan of his, though, so obviously, you know, I'd, I'd write the thing for free for because I'm No, just, no, no. Oh, now we no have to edit friend. that
0: out. We
1: don't want people <laughs> no, to he know knows. that. He know, oh, no. If he listens, he knows. <laughs> he's, he's a great he's a great guy. Um, And he's done lots of stuff for me. And I've done lots of editing and proofreading. But we have a relationship. But as far as stuff on my own, I'm holding back on publishing it. I have two. I have two adventures that are are ready to, um, and by ready to publish, I mean they're written to the point that I don't have to write them or they're kind of checked to the point I I don't have to write them. They've got at least 50 hours of, you know, I know that they will hold up if anybody needs to play them. They may not be the greatest thing ever written, but I know that they're like solid in quality and something that I wouldn't mind putting my name on. Um, The reason basically that I haven't gone through with publishing them, at least to like drive through RPG and things like that is uh, pretty much associated with layout and artwork um, which which are things that um, I'm they're expensive and the way that I want to do them they're more expensive than what I'm seeing generally in the marketplace for what I'm using and that kind of comes from my my design background which uh, Mm -hmm. I work in Um, I have some picky things about what I want to look at on a page and what I want to And I want it to be done right. And I'll be kind of done to my vision and reflective of the quality of the work to it. Um, And so I'm kind of, I've been pumping the brakes for probably two years on doing that and just saying, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And I I still, I still will get to it. Um, I just think, you know, the amount of time that I have to put in to bring those to publication, uh, even in PDF format, you know, not even not in print at all is, you know, another, I realistically think another several hundred that, you know, in my current life would be a, a, a real strain, I think. So they're kind of on the back burner at the, at, for the moment. They're not really because I'm bringing them out every convention and playing them with people. Mm-hmm. And if anybody ever said, Hey, I'd really, I would want to run that. I would probably assist them in getting that information mm-hmm. because I would, cause I would be flattered, you know, that they wanted to do that. So, um, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, I have written other stuff that is leaving my mind right now. I'm sorry. I kind of am not very good at promotion. On hey, like but, me, uh, but
0: do you know what? I'm really good at promoting other people. And you actually made a gigantic mistake without knowing it. I'm amazing at nudging people to get things done and connecting people with other people who are good at things that each other needs. And you and I need to talk outside of the recording to see what can be done to help make your stuff a reality.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean,
0: I might be able to connect you with people who can help it. Drew.
1: Yeah. I, I and I'm a hundred percent open to do that. And uh, it, this is probably a good wake up call for me to like, stop being lazy about this. I, I'm, I'm not afraid to do it. I'm not scared of, you know, I, and also for a lot of people, the money thing is hiring an artist and things like that is a ma- is a major thing. I mean, it is for me too. I'm not saying I have so much money that or anything like that. No, but, but of course, um, But I think it is a reasonable thing that that doesn't totally scare me away from the research I've done and the insight I've gotten from working with the other publishers. I kind of know who they work with. I know who when I look at their books and things like that, I know like I like that style. I don't like that style. I like that form of layout. I like Mm -hmm. that art uh, art studio they work with. I like that style of art. I don't prefer that style. So I've kind of got those ideas kicking around. And yeah, I should get on. I should probably more stuff.
0: One of the nice things about doing this podcast and doing it for 19 years now. Uh, I can't believe it's 19. Years. Uh, anyway, wow. is that I've gotten to meet and know and befriend a lot of people and a lot of really interesting people. Yeah. Artists, writers, editors, layout people, game designers. Like just about anyone you, is, who's needed to bring a product to life. Just about I know them and can connect people to them. And it actually happens often enough that. I should just charge people to be like, I don't know what you would call it, but to connect people with one another and make things happen. But yeah, uh, the gaming business
1: liaison,
0: whatever, but like, it just, I know people who are really talented at what they do Mm -hmm. and and they connect more often than not, actually. And there's been quite a few things that has worked out because of it. And maybe for you or for other people, I don't know, maybe it's a possibility. Uh, But uh, yeah. I,
1: and I, connecting I, I, with other people that do what you're interested in is really important another thing i do is i have this thing called my brain trust oh nice i forgot to mention this but it's really important and it comes from a business book i read a few years back and i'm gonna forget the name it's somebody very famous it's like a hundred years old. that's okay it I, it, we'll it might, put it... It, yeah it might be carnegie i i can't remember um but anyway if we figure you it said, out
0: it'll be in the show notes everyone
1: and, and anyway, it's this concept that you develop a brain. Tr- they are people that, do, you know, esteem in the area that you are working to be in. And typically they must people who are at, at a more advanced or more successful or more capable state than you are yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you want to be you want to be the weakest link in your brain trust. Basically. Yes, you do. R- right. So um, I thought about that a lot. And, and I am lucky because I know. Uh, really great savage writers of savage worlds and other gaming content specifically in the savage community and um i've they've been wonderfully generous in their time in you know reading drafts for me Mm -hmm. at you know zero charge and just you know out of the interest of seeing something and giving me feedback and telling me where i'm going wrong and the other big thing they know is um you know what will fly and what will not fly as far as like being published by certain publishers you know and mm. things like that so they can advise you a little bit on inside track stuff like you know uh X X publishing company uses um you know this style guide and kind of this this type of terminology and they stay away from this you know, those things that's important. So that's to stuff know. that you'd never you'd never know you would never ever be able to learn it yourself and it's just invaluable information people who are already succeeding at what i've got like five people that whenever i write something i say hey i don't want to bother you but are you interested in reading something i wrote mm-hmm. and every single one says yeah i'll read it. some of them say yeah i can read it in two months because I'm booked um or something like that but mm-hmm. you know they all do and they give me feedback and it's unbelievably helpful and i'm talking about people who sell like majorly sell uh have kickstarted products in the, like, uh, close to million dollar or things like that. So it's like, I'm blown away that you can just find their email. (laughs) One
0: of the things I've noticed is with tabletop gaming in particular, is that although it's such a niche, that generally the people who are involved in it, whether they're in a big capacity big official capacity or smaller in in any way shape or form generally they want to help other people who are passionate about it too and they're willing to spend the time to do whatever to nurture someone else and get it along and at least in my experience it's been profound and i think it's i think it's a truth i really do think it's a, a truth for the for this community that we're all in
1: yeah yeah, and it's it's just a good exercise to also get over yourself. Like, you know, it, when you're a writer and a creative person, or maybe it's just my bad attitude, but, you know, you think you've got the the good thing. You know, you think you've got the ability to make the good thing. And it's it's extremely helpful for me to say, yeah, I, I made this good thing, but there's other people out there that are incredible and they're going to make it better because I, you know, I can't look at it. from. No,
0: of course you can't. And, i'm the exact opposite i do a thing and i think this is the worst thing ever uh, but i'm going to share it with the people i trust and they look at it and then they hear me say like why i think it's terrible and what do they think about it and then they get back to me and say well one you're wrong it's not yeah, terrible you shouldn't and, do that. Yeah. and here's why and they'll go and they'll be like you can you know punch this up or this could be that or what but like you got to good thing here uh yeah. and so th- again like you with your brain trust they're all and then they just kind of go but i come from the flip side of the coin about yeah. well, with myself if it's someone else i come from the this is the amazing thing ever and this is why and then this is how you can make it even more amazing um in how you do it um with your writing though i have a question do you have a singular or a, a predominant uh area or way that you find inspiration comes to
1: um, with adventure writing, because I write others, mm-hmm. but um, with RPG adventure writing, uh, a lot of it comes from seeing a complication, a, a problem okay. that causes tension, whether it, it's in real life or whether it's on the news or whether it's in a movie or something like that, seeing the problem or the puzzle okay. and then saying, okay, I understand like the core foundation of what the, the problem and the tension is. And the path to solution is for this thing. Okay. And so now I so now I have that piece, and I say, and and if I like it, I say, okay. So how do I dress that in a way that I'm interested and in, that I think players are interested in solve, right? So it doesn't have to be anything that is even similar to the movie or the news article that I saw, because it, it can be completely redressed, you know, as whatever kind of setting you'd like to present it. But usually it's around a problem that. Okay, so um, it's
0: not a a case of say you're out going for a walk in the woods and uh, you do that one because it's good for you and it's wonderful, but also because when you're out in nature, that's when ideas just start to come with you. It's just as you're living your life and you're coming across stuff, you, you're you watching Star Wars, for example, and yep. there's a problem in a Star Wars film that they're tackling. Yep. And you think that's a really interesting problem. And how can I solve that in a different way, in a different setting and with different whatever?
1: Yep uh, absolutely yeah it it comes more from seeing the the premise somewhere else in saying, is that a premise that holds up to gameplay, right? Like There there are Mm -hmm. premises that you see in fiction and stuff, and they are very interesting. They do not hold up to gameplay because they're overcomplicated and they're completely dependent on these exact things happening, exact order, which a writer or a filmmaker has absolute, and those do not lend themselves to gameplay because you do not have control over the actions of your cast. Mm
0: -hmm. No, it absolutely makes sense. Uh, I think that's a really interesting way to go about it. And I think that's one that maybe not a lot of people use, but I think it's really powerful to be able to You kind of get inspiration from everywhere because you're looking at a deeper level of it and not just on the surface. And then you're seeing kind of what, what makes it tick or what doesn't make it tick and then being, finding that interesting. Right. And then just wanted to play with that in, in your own sandbox.
1: Yeah. And I mean, different writers will tell you, you know, different things. You know, they they may I know uh other writers within my space that are the character they're mm-hmm. they're like, I'm gonna develop these really intricate characters with kind of interconnected relationships or strains or whatever. And the adventure is going to come around that. Um it is going to be built ar- around the interplay of these characters. And that can be really interesting too. And that's a whole nother kind of direction to take it. I personally haven't done that or tried that. it, it seems very daunting to me to mm-hmm. to do it that way, but people have different kind of like um, approaches to what they're what they're doing.
0: I I just I love the like inspiration kind of question. It feels very inside the actor studio sort of thing, uh, and it's, it's something that I feel you can ask almost anyone for almost anything they do, and even if it's like if I was to ask someone else who writes adventures, right, like you just said, I would get a completely different answer that's also yeah. completely valid and works. And so it just, it kind of gives, for me anyway, it gives an insight into the way you think. And I, I think at least with the listeners here, I think it kind of helps them to see, oh, is this someone who's creating a product, doing whatever? Is it someone who matches something that they like? And it does it then give them opportunity then say okay not only do they like it but then do they want to seek it out do they want to play it do they want to read it do they want to buy it or, or so forth uh and just i find it fascinating uh and yet it seems i don't know almost simplistic of a question
1: yeah but i mean it's it's the it is a simple question with an infinitely you know, complex. And what is the root of creativity? <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. What
0: is the meaning to life, the universe, and everything? Well, forty-two, yeah, and of then, course. But and then
1: the the other thing is, you know, metering your own, or for me anyway is metering my own creativity with what I think somebody wants to play. You know, sometimes the thing I think would be the most interesting thing. Uh, I I say you know, that has to be shelved for something else because that's it, it, it's not conducive to to gameplay. Um, in in what is conducive to gameplay and what to what do i see people reacting strongly to over my years running games Mm -hmm. what are the things i see people really respond to because it's not always what you thought it Um, no and then trying to bring those pieces and say oh in this game i ran over here people really responded to this aspect or this game mechanic or whatever uh let's pull some of that into this adventure we're writing and expand upon it and maybe try something
0: no i hear you i uh, I'll do that uh, for years. I've come up, you know, you think of topics or or things to talk about and uh, people to come on or whatever. And there'll be things I'll think of or someone else on the team will say, what about this? And I'll think, you know, that's really interesting. But then I have to think, well, how relevant is it to the community, to the audience? Is it something that's just for us? Is it something that has more of a larger appeal? And how can we present it? And then every so often I'll say, you know what? Forget it. I don't care. (laughs) It's really interesting. To me or to someone on the team we're going to go and do it and even if it's a little self-indulgent or a little navel gazing uh we'll do that from time to time and that's how we started with all our mental health stuff uh there mm. was someone who i wanted to come on and they started talking about mental health things and i thought like this doesn't fit right for tabletop gaming uh and i just thought you know what i like this person we're gonna do it and we did and then it resonated with people uh which surprised me and next thing you know it became a thing where we do time and time again, or uh, like. uh we don't do a whole lot of RPGs here, right? Uh, we do to some degree, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's, I don't think that's what people think of when they think of the show. But yet, I'll be like, this is really interesting, or this person is really interesting, and I'm going to do this one for me, or we're going to do this one for someone on the team, or because there's that w-? someone from the community reached out and said, hey, would you do this thing? And even if it's that one person, I think maybe there's other people who aren't speaking up. And so, even if it's just for that one or two people, we do the thing. And I still feel good about it. And then we can go back and do something else that has a, you know, whatever.
1: I think that's completely the way to go um, because what you're doing is creative work um, and putting your own, um, what do you want to call it? Your own brand of of expression and, and what interests you into the content is, I, I think, super strong as far as connecting. It's no surprise to me at all that when you brought up, you know, mental health stuff uh, on a... What people would think is a you know war gaming, uh, podcast by the title that people connected with it because people connect with mental health stuff and and war gamers are 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 people. So um, it makes complete sense to me that uh, yeah, that, that 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 would be an obvious thing to do, and that there are other avenues, you know, maybe that aren't as um, as serious as mental health, but other things that might seem tangential to um, purely wargaming recon content, right? but um but if all you did was just um let's say you know all you did was unboxing or minis painting you'd be very pigeonholed um in, in your content and it would it would blend into the crowd more you know than yours does because you have a uniqueness about what you're doing
0: that's that's very kind of you to say um i was just thinking though for you too obviously when you do your writing especially if it's for other people you're writing adventures for other people uh with any adventures you do for yourselves, too. Of course, you want it to appeal to as wide of an audience as possible, but just it's okay for you, personally, to say you're going to do this one thing for you. You can do an adventure for you, and it's your special project for you. and oh, Because yeah. it's important to you. And just to not let yourself be dissuaded by that. Yeah, and for anyone absolutely. else who wants to do this, like it's okay to do stuff for yourself. Uh, and yeah, you need to reach whoever you need to reach or do whatever, but every so often you can, you can do the thing for yourself and that's yeah okay.
1: and and i i guess i have to just remind you or remind myself that you know this is my hobby so yeah. it is all for myself <laughs> you no, <know>? well, it, <laughs> like the the moment i don't want to do any of this you know uh i will not <laughs> so when
0: i was coming up with uh, what i come up with things that uh to get ready for a, an episode with someone uh, i use this product called to do it used to be a different product by these the startup in Germany and then Microsoft bought it and did their thing. But it's it's kind of like a, a bullet point list. So you could do your shopping with it or whatever. I have um, it, yeah. I oh, okay. It, I love it. And so one of the things I had put on was I was going to ask you, why do you write your adventures? It, and then I decided I'm not going to ask you that because you write it because you want to, right? Uh, yeah. It's just kind of, a, it's a silly question in a way. Yeah. Uh, but it, I think it's important to, For all of us to realize that even if it's your job, like if you are a full-time whatever in the tabletop gaming space, and I think that's very rare, but if that's what you are, uh, or you're doing it for money, even as a side gig or whatever, uh, still, it's just, you got to do it because you want to. And if the passion's not there, the fire's not there, or it's not fun anymore, then maybe you don't need to do it anymore.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, um, and there have been times where I've had to reset and kind of recharge the battery, things like mm-hmm. that, which I think everybody does with hobbies and with other interests I've had. I've, I've done that. And, you know, in those cases, I I say, like, OK, I'm working a little bit too hard on this adventure. Like, I, why am I stressed? I'm going to go play games for a month and not do anything, you know. That is, you know, heavy lifting. You know, heavy mental lift. And then you, you know, in that time, you get kind of refreshed, and you get another idea, and then you go back to it, or you start something new, or whatever you do. Yeah, no, no, no. I think you're right. Um, I know we're kind of nearing the end of our
0: time, uh, but I I do want to ask. And this is might be a loaded question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And feel free to be invasive and just go somewhere else uh, with this. But uh, what is an adventure for any system? Any role playing game, any setting, space, or whatever that you love, and what about it makes you feel that way? Like, why do you love it?
1: Uh, not necessarily written by me, you mean
0: correct? No, it could be by you, it could be by anyone. It, it just... oh, okay, um, let's see. Um, so the one that is like at you, the you t- like a creature in it, you like the story or the setting or the person yep. who created so it,
1: or whatever. This book here, this is. Uh, called Holler. This is a really cool book. This is a setting within Savage Worlds. Um, it's written by um, Tim Early, who is a, a great writer. Um, mm-hmm. And when he published this setting, another writer who I'm a big fan of, her name is Tracy Sizemore, wrote an adventure for this, which I've run at several conventions. And it is called, uh, if my memory serves me, it is called The Savior of Hollow Oak. And it's a great adventure. Easy to run uh from a gm's point of view everything is there and kind of outlined for you and made pretty easy as far as like not having to do a lot of prep Um, and from a player standpoint i saw a lot of people having fun and it's not your standard type of adventure you would find at a gaming convention it's set in sort of a dark magic Appalachia of the 1940s. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what it is. No, that and, sounds uh, really interesting. And um, it is really character centric, which is not my forte uh, in writing. Mine is more plot and pacing centric and tension. And this is more about characters interacting and what's the right thing, what's the wrong thing, what are they gonna do type of situation. So I ran that recently. I ran that in, well, not recently. In April at Rising Phoenix Game Con, I ran like three mm-hmm. sessions of that, and I had a blast. And I would, I would run it again in a second. So that's okay. one that's on the top of my mind. Um, I don't run that many adventures written by other, and I should because it's a lot of fun and it's way easier. Um, you don't have to spend 50 hours writing something. So uh, I should do more of that. Um, another one is a uh, horse eater. Uh, it's called the Horse Eater. Is the adventure, and it's a Deadlands adventure. Deadlands is a Western setting in Savage Worlds, mm-hmm. and the Horse Eater is an adventure that comes with either the core rulebook. This is the book, but um, it's in the back of one of the books or one of the resource books. And that's just like a straightforward, really fun investigative kind of murder mystery with like a monster twist. And it's super easy to run. Everything's there for you, and uh, it's a bloodbath. And it's, it's everybody has
0: that sounds exciting. Cool. Um, and we've alluded to adventures you've written and uh, some that have been published, uh, and so forth for people who are interested, how can they get any of the adventures that you've written or edited or can, so
1: they they should buy anything that twitchy butcher studios, uh, produces and almost all of it. I've had something to do with, although I am not the, I want to be clear. I am not the author of those settings. Calvin Thompson, anybody to think I'm taking credit where credit is not given. Mm -hmm. Um, But those are fantastic products. And I've done lots of editing, proofreading, some writing, contribution, brainstorming, all that type of stuff. So I'm just a big fan of his. So that would be one way. Um, That's really the only way right now. I mean, other than, I mean, if you wanted to hear about my individual adventures that I've written and run at conventions, one thing I would recommend play with me and play the adventures I wrote and see if you like them, if you do at the end of the game you can say hey i like that and i will um <laughs> uh, so that's that's another way to do it or just get in touch with me on online on facebook or like that and talk to me and,
0: and so they just venmo you like 5 bucks and then yeah yeah get. yeah I, I, I know that's not where you're going with it but again yeah. I, I like to lift up other people and so yeah. they tip you a little bit of money by well way. i mean
1: honestly what i mean okay five dollars is five dollars i'm not saying it's not a thing but what is a far more value to me is if someone was interested in running my game for other people mm. uh you know knowing that it's out there in the world getting some traction and use and that's something i created is definitely you know no, that's, so I, I would just much rather get it to people
0: <laughs> that's special it's so cool when you see someone else doing a thing with something you've helped with yeah it's a great feeling
1: oh yeah yeah it's like you kind of let it out in the world and now it's its own thing and it doesn't belong
0: no yeah you're right It mm-hmm. just it's weird but wonderful yep and um we've alluded throughout this episode about a convention you and i are going to be at and i believe you said you're running some games at it and we were referring yep. to carnage which is later yep. this year in 2023 it's going to be in vermont and uh i i actually i by the time this comes out, my badge should be all set. But I was lazy and forgot to give them my information They could give me my badge. Uh, but that'll that be coming. <laughs> I, I sent the information. It's only going to be getting that for me. And I'll be there with uh, my buddy and team member, Robert Dunn. He's coming as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yes. awesome. So we'll be there and causing trouble uh, as it yeah, were. Yeah, we
1: have a big group that goes up there, a big friend group every year. Um this is the first year it's back at Killington. We were at Mount still last year. Oh,
0: okay. um, I'll be
1: up there with my wife and my kid, and then we got probably 10 other friends that we're going to meet up there. Uh, that's a really fun event.
0: Well, uh, I am going to publicly promise that I will sign up for one of your games.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, well, okay. You better sign up early then because yeah, I'm, I'm really popular.
0: Well, I, I know you are, but I would have I was about to make a joke and be like, I imagine there's a way I can get in, but then I realized that sounds so
1: conceited and not really
0: like a joke. But uh, no, and,
1: no, no matter what, we will we will find a way. We will get you if you're gonna. Do I will it, be we'll your challenge you for the convention. Good. Okay, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. I'll just I'll have an extra Red Bull before that one. But <laughs> yeah,
0: you're gonna it. need something a little stronger. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for me <laughs> <laughs> to get through, and then we got that too. <laughs> uh and so people can get uh your stuff that you've helped with and done stuff with twitchy butcher on drive mm-hmm. rpg and next time you talk to them i think they should have another setting that i mean it might be only of interest to me but even so um where it's all about happy bunnies in a role-playing game and they should just go full throttle with that and i think that could be the next savage world setting that could kind appeal of to young gamers as a nice introduction. To then go, they start with that and then they work their way up to other things like Stingers and Spores or Gods and Masters. Just you know,
1: I am I'm willing to spitball ideas with
0: get um, them while they're young. You know, grow the bunny, hobby.
1: Happy bunny setting. Yeah, you just
0: you know, nice, cute, furry, fluffy bunnies who are doing fun, happy things, having age appropriate. Uh, adventures for elementary age children, <laughs> age <appropriate>. <laughs> <laughs> not bunnies and burrows. We don't want Watership down yeah, happening. Um, yeah.
1: I, yeah, that might not be my wheelhouse, but I'm willing to. Talk- I mean,
0: <laughs> you, you can have fun, you could do a, a more mature version as well for those who want. You do both in the book one for the parents, and then one that you do front half and
1: back half of book. Yes, and
0: yeah. you know, like it's printed upside down in the back half, so you like flip it into. Um, yeah, I like um, it. I mean, just just a thought. I gotta put that out there. And for anyone who wants to keep up to date with all the stuff you're working on, your adventure writing, just all your gaming things and all that kind of stuff, uh, what's the best way that they can do that? Are there websites, social media? Or like, how do they?
1: Not do really. I'm thing? so bad at that. I mean, eh, you're all welcome to be friends with me on Facebook. I'm I'm on Facebook as Peter Bostwick, um, so that's me there. Um, also, our our monthly gaming group is great. I don't know if you want me to shout that out, but do we you do You shout a out whatever you thing. like, my friend great we do um a monthly gaming night at redemption rock brewery in worcester massachusetts it's the third thursday of every night um if you look up redemption convention on facebook you can join our group we got a probably more than 100 people in that group right now so that's a good place for you to find me i'm always in stuff getting there uh, (laughs) along with a whole bunch of other people that organize that um yeah, and then August 12th coming up, if you want to meet me in person, I'm going to be at Redemption Rock Brewery all day for a close because we're having our event. It's called Leveled Up, and it's our once a year, all day gaming event that takes the place of our August. So, yeah, check that out and see me play games with me or with somebody else or whatever you want to
0: do. That sounds really cool. Are you going to be running Savage Worlds at that?
1: I am. I am. Okay. I, my, my plan is to use that as a play test. Uh, for the adventure that I'm writing for Carnage Con, okay. So um, I'm hoping to run, I think I'm running from like noon to three or noon to four that day, um, a sort of a supernatural investigative uh, mystery adventure uh, set in the Wild West. Okay. Um, that's what's going on for me. And if that isn't your cup of tea, there are a bunch of other uh, GMs running a bunch of other different stuff. And I think they're using the platform Warhorn. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Warhorn, but I've heard of uh, it to sign up for events. Yeah, it's new to me as well. It's pretty cool. So if you want to go, it's totally free to go, by the way. Um, and signing up for events is free, so no cost to you other than getting there. And there's going to be just 12 hours of nonstop game. We got food and trucks. And
0: you're going to be there from 11 in the morning to 11 at night. It's for all ages, but there's nothing that right now anyway. Nothing planned for any like. Kids in particular, but everyone's welcome. That, to them.
1: that I'm aware of, there is not like a scheduled event that is like kids mm-hmm. uh, or like designed for kids. Uh, that being said, I mean, there's a whole Redemption Rock maintains their whole own bookshelf of games like, you know, from like Sorry and Boggle on Up that are all, I would say, kid appropriate type things. Yep. Plus, bringing whatever it is you want. Everybody's welcome to bring anything that they. Feel is kid appropriate for their kids is also well, Uh, and then anything you see other people playing that is appropriate for your kids would also be open game. We are trying to work something out in the city of Worcester with the Boys and Girls Club to to do something, uh, where we're going to bring a little bit more gaming to either the Boys and Girls Club or the Big Brothers Big Sisters program Mm -hmm. or both. So, Jake is. Jake is already working on an event. I don't have the date in front of me with the Big Brothers, Big Sisters, where it's a it's a field day type thing, but he wants to add gaming to it for those kids that wanna try that as well. And so he's looking for volunteers, it's gonna be run up then. So we're trying to get involved a little more civically in Worcester with some of that stuff and, you know, recruit and brainwash the being <laughs> gamers of the future. <laughs>
0: i love it Indo- indoctrinate them all <laughs> that no those are good things to do and to help out and grow the hobby um yep i just i want to remind everyone of course that you can find wargaming recon us we're on all the things as wargaming recon and we're just we're everywhere and actually uh we've just added uh and i hope we'll keep it but who knows but we've just added our very own subreddit uh because oh. I've become a huge fan of reddit i know it can be toxic depending on where you go Uh, i avoid the toxic places and um our subreddit will be for people to talk about the podcast talk about gaming inclusive friend family friendly uh just a nice place to kind of hang out for those who are on reddit you can pop in from time to time we'll have a link in our show notes to that and to anything else and just see how it goes and because they're talking with you before the recording, we have a YouTube channel. <laughs> in case anyone wants to check that out, you just head on over to YouTube <laughs> uh, and we're right on there. We'll have a link in our show notes as well. Um, we don't have a lot of new stuff up there, but we do have some cool videos and collabs we've done with other people. Uh, we've done some collabs with Dwarven Forge, for example. Uh, they are absolutely wonderful people over there. And um, just a variety of other things that we do on and ends about. And sometimes on there, it's not so much gaming, but you'll see my personal Lego kind of stuff. I'm trying to bridge Lego and gaming uh, as a way to make gaming more accessible in part because I don't like to paint minis because I find it intimidating and you don't have to paint Lego. So we'll oh, do that uh, and just try to bridge some stuff. Try I have social. ideas. Oh, you and I need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we will be talking. Okay. And then you'll be back again. Uh, so, yeah. That's good. You'll, you'll get so tired of coming on. You'd be like, I don't want to talk to Jonathan again. Just, I'm done. Can I talk to someone else from the team? Like just get yeah, rid of them. Who else do you have there? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, there are other people. <laughs> it doesn't have to be me. We, I, I get people all over the world. Actually. Uh, I got a guy in go. Australia who's wonderful. He actually uh, now recently became a host of Australia's biggest um, star Wars Legion podcast. I think it's called we are Legion. Uh, Joshua Schubert, he does the uh, audio editing and producing here. And he's awesome, absolutely fantastic. Love him. He's just one of them. But there's other people on the team, two people here in America and elsewhere. But uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be me, but you will get tired of me.
1: Dang, not, not yet. again. <laughs> I just talked
0: to them last time. Let's have someone else. Uh, but yeah, no, you and I will talk. Uh, but anyway, Alrighty. I hope people check out your stuff. I hope they buy the Thank products. You. And I know I'm going to be picking up some of your stuff as well. Uh, actually, when we're done recording, I'm gonna head on over and buy some digital copies of stuff. And I hope hey, people right. head on over to Redemption Rock for the August uh, gaming event. I am planning to be there. It turns out I have a family graduation party to go to, but I'm trying to see how I can finagle things. So uh, we will. We're working to be there. Uh, so working, Marie work it, work uh, the magic. Working to be there and get stuff going. And then, of course, Carnage uh, in November uh, for people. October. Sorry, October. Last,
1: last weekend in October. Thank you.
0: Thank you for correcting me. Uh, yeah, It's been one of those weeks. It's, it's we're lucky good. I know my name.
1: We're almost through.
0: We'll get there. Thank you so very much for being here with us. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Oh, it's fun. It's fun. Have me back. I'm happy to do it.
0: And I just I want to thank everyone for taking the time to tune into this episode and being part of the community and being as wonderful as you all are. And as always, if you're a long-time listener, you know the drill. And if you're not, Uh, We do a really cheesy outro, and we try to change it. People love it, so here we are. Uh, So no matter how busy you are, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how many great ideas you're thinking you need to turn into cool adventures for Savage World or other role-playing game settings, you know you gotta, you have to, you need to keep on gaming. Are you always on the go? Why not take Wargaming Recon with you? If you use an app like Pocket Casts, you can listen to your favorite episodes of Wargaming Recon on your mobile device. This recording is released under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial share-alike license. Many thanks to Andrew and Court for inspiring the show's name. Wargaming Recon is dedicated to the memory of longtime listener Andrew. I ask all listeners to join me in a moment of silence in memory of Andrew. Wargaming Recon is sponsored by the historical gaming club of Uxbridge. They meet the first Wednesday of each month at Great Stories in Wittonsville, Massachusetts. Dice drop at 7pm on games spanning World War II to the Wild West and beyond. Guest demos are encouraged. All are welcome. Find them on Facebook at historical game club of Uxbridge. Wargaming Recon is proudly sponsored by the Maine Historical Wargamers Association. They put on the Huzzah Convention. Huzzah is happening at the Doubletree in Portland, Maine, from May 19th to the 21st, 2023. Come play wargames featuring epic historical battles, have fun at a sci-fi and fantasy game, or dig into some board games at Huzzah! Visit mhwa.info for more information. I'm sorry. I don't know why. I'm terrible at these intros. You would think after 19 years I could do this without breaking, but no, I can't. Uh, <laughs> that'll probably make it into the episode, actually. Okay, here we go. Welcome to War Games. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's unprofessional. <laughs> oh, you should have seen what it was like with Adrian. He would just... Egg me on and then it would make it worse. And 20 minutes later, we'd still be doing an intro. I'd be like, damn it, you. Why did you do this to me? And he'd just be there laughing at me.
1: <clears throat> okay. For real this time.